0: Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to The Ringer Podcast Network. We hope The Ringer can provide you entertainment and companionship during this time. So as always, feel free to check out theringer.com, where we're still covering the latest in sports, pop culture, tech, and media. And The Ringer's YouTube channel can provide endless amounts of entertainment. You can find that at youtube.com slash theringer.
1: Welcome to The Pod Has Spoken, the Ringer's Survivor Recap Podcast. I'm Riley McTi. I'm your host, and every Thursday I'll be here on the Ringer Dish feed to recap the latest episode of Survivor. On each pod, I'll be accompanied by a different Ringer staffer, and today I'm joining a person who I would actually trust to exchange an idol for a fire token. This is Amelia Wedemeyer.
0: Riley, I am so glad to be here. I'm so excited to talk Survivor, even though, Wow. Wow. wow.
1: We have an iconic blindside and really just a fantastic episode to break down Ooh. today. This was episode six of Winners at War. It was a double boot episode, so just a packed hour of television, 44 minutes really. And uh, it resulted in poverty and Sandra, two queens going home. Oh. Let's just get started. We'll jump right into our first segment, which we call Tribal Council. This is our instant reaction breakdown takeaways from the episode. Amelia, let's start with Denise. From the top rope, she just came down. What a move.
0: Wow. I, watching it, I am such a huge Sandra Stan and, and a poverty Stan that it was heartbreaking. But at the same time, you know, Sandra made that mistake and I was yelling at my TV. And Denise, she was just like, I'm going to make a bold friggin' move. And she did.
1: She gets the big move. She gets to vote out Sandra with Sandra's own <sighs> idol. Ugh. And she gets to save a fire token because she was going to give another fire token to Sandra after the tribal. Yeah. So really, I mean, Sandra kind of incentivized her to vote Sandra out. Um, totally. Which, which was a mistake. But man, I mean, Denise had just been flying under the radar all season. And here she is. And she just gets the spotlight this episode.
0: It, it was incredible. It was incredible. I. It was heartbreaking. But I got to hand it to Denise. That was what a move.
1: So obviously she makes this move for, you know, kind of modern big moves purposes, resume building purposes type of thing that you'd love to have if you're sitting on the final tribal council. But there's also, I think, kind of a medium term goal here. Um, I want to play a clip from Tribal Council where Denise talks about how important relationships and relationship building is in this game.
0: There are relationships that can absolutely be solidified and move forward with, and I believe that solidly to be true.
1: When this clip is playing in the episode, the camera kind of moves towards Sandra, and Sandra is sort of looking at Denise and almost nods at her. And the idea is: oh, Denise is talking about building a relationship with Sandra to move forward yeah but obviously uh, that's not what happens and I, who I think that Denise is actually talking to in that clip is Jeremy because she uses an idol on Jeremy she's an idol on herself and I think that that's who she wants to move forward with in the game and work with and rely on as she as they head closer and closer to the merge
0: I think you're totally right and it I Honestly, I was expecting Denise to play that idol that Sandra gave her. And then when she pulled out the second one, her own, and gave it to Jeremy, I was like, damn, okay. So we've got, like, that is a strong alliance. Uh, Smart.
1: A really smart move. So it seems like she wasted the idol on Jeremy because he got no votes. But if... Sandra or anybody on that tribe had thrown a vote on Jeremy just to make sure for idle purposes, what would have happened is it would have been a 1-1 tie, Sandra and Jeremy, uh, and it would have gone to a revote. and surely the Decal 3 would have voted Jeremy out. And that's why this relationships clip is so important, because she's showing who she wants to work with in the game.
0: Just the level of thinking and processing is great. It's great, and that's why it is an all-time iconic move. Even though it breaks my heart, I I think I might have to stay on Denise now.
1: And I was so blindsided too. The best blindsides yeah. are the ones that like they get you, you yes. know. And it's like I was like, man, is Tony going home? And I was oh. so nervous that Tony was going to go home. <laughs> and then, oh man, I mean, it's it's you know, it's not any better. It might be worse, but wow, what a play!
0: Yeah. Oh. oh.
1: Yeah. Great, great stuff. So, Sandra, uh, let's talk about her in this. I mean, her game is always, you know, uh, if it's anybody but me, I'm good. You know, just as long as I get through one tribal council, this was a big theme from the previous episode, and she kind of broke that rule here.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's unfortunate. I don't know if she just hasn't been... Well, I guess she was on uh, last season as a, a mentor idol, but I I don't know what's going on. I think maybe there's something that has to do with the way in which people are so obsessed with Survivor and there are a lot of people who are incorrect, but they think that she doesn't necessarily deserve to have won twice, you know, and I think maybe she's kind of playing to that and she's getting more aggressive.
1: There's definitely a kind of a split in her career. Her first two yep. seasons, Pearl Islands and Heroes versus Villains, she was much more laid back. Obviously, she could be a very loud personality, but yes. strategically in the game, not really making big moves. And then in Game Changers and now Winners at War, she played much harder. And both times she goes out, as she says on this episode, on day 16. Um, I don't think it's the wrong move to play hard, but clearly this move she miscalculated.
0: Total, it was just, ah, uh, I was literally yelling at my TV when she made that deal with Denise. I was like, no,
1: no, don't do it. Because we can play out what would have happened too, right? So Denise was, I think, using her idol no matter what this episode. Yeah. She knew she was on the chopping block. Now, Sandra doesn't know that Denise has an idol. Right. But if what would have happened is if Sandra hangs on to her idol, uh, when Denise played hers, Sandra would have immediately played that idol, because it's not even good for another tribal council. Hers, oh, right. unlike Denise's, expires. And so Sandra would have been safe. And, uh, you know, perhaps they re-vote if the votes are the same, and then it would have been Jeremy going home. Or, uh, you know, if somebody had thrown a vote somewhere else, if they targeted Tony or something, it could have been someone else. But it definitely wouldn't have been Sandra if she has an idol.
0: Right. It was just... Uh, And I hate to say it, but it was just an all-time dumb move.
1: It was really bad. And I think that um, what's also rough about it that I noticed is this kind of happened last season on Island of the Idols, which, you know, Sandra was a mentor on, as you noted. Mm -hmm. Um, Dean and Kelly had a similar exchange where Kelly had this idol that was expiring. She gave it to Dean. and She saved him at Tribal. And then the very next tribal, uh, Dean was part of a plan to vote out Kelly. And so it's just if you're playing on Modern Survivor now, giving somebody an idol doesn't buy their loyalty, doesn't buy their vote, doesn't buy you jack squat. Just don't do it. Hang on to those things.
0: Se- seriously, it's crazy. It is just crazy. As someone who is an old school fan, it's, it's hard for me to see how fast this game is being played in, on modern Survivor, but that I—that's just how it goes, you know.
1: It's changed a lot, and let's let's talk about the old schoolers here because we now have in a row Ethan, uh, Tyson, Rob, uh, and ugh. then Parvati and Sandra in the same episode. We'll talk about Parvati, but man, the old schoolers have been decimated.
0: It is heartbreaking. I am heartbroken. Oh my god, it, it's. Whew. It just as you know, I was into Survivor for the first like five, ten seasons, and then I kind of fell off and I've recently come back. It's been amazing and I'm revisiting old seasons. Um, it's just it's hard because you really start to love these characters, especially the old school players, and it's just to see them go out one by one is just it's heartbreaking, it's heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, I I think that that's a very common way to watch Survivor because I have a similar maybe like 8 to 10 season gap where I was in college and I wasn't watching and then I came back to it later. So I'm I'm pretty familiar with the new school players. Um, I'm pretty familiar, obviously, with the old school players who we just love. Oh. And then it's the middle schoolers that I'm really not I'm like, oh I don't really know that much I honestly don't know that much about Denise. I haven't seen her season. And so Same. uh, you know, now I'm very familiar with her. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, she came to play. Yes, she did. Um but yeah, as far as the true in my mind old schoolers these are people who played before heroes versus villains the 20th yep. season 10 years ago which marks the exact midway point <sighs> of where we are in survivor right now Ugh. and there's only one left and it's yule
0: it's oh my god you just you really hate to see it you hate to see them all out there scrambling on edge of extinction but i guess if there you know is one person to be left it yule's yule's a good person to to have you know
1: He's a great player. We didn't yeah. get a lot of him this episode, but I'm so excited to see what he does going forward. And the one silver lining to this Edge of Extinction twist, which I'm very skeptical of, uh, is that one of these old schoolers will basically come back into the game. Ugh. Unless it's Natalie, I guess. It very well could be Natalie. I guess I shouldn't uh, get ahead of myself it, here, but there's a very good chance we'll get a Tyson or a Rob or, I mean, who knows? You know, it could be Amber, it could be Ethan, it could be anybody that comes yeah. back.
0: Oh, God.
1: I, I got to say, though, the one player, if I'm picking one player, I don't think will come back. I can't imagine Sandra winning a challenge to come back. I,
0: <laughs> well, we talked about it. You know, she is the bench queen. Uh, and I just if you're Sandra, you know, you've already won twice. So what's what's the point?
1: I know. I think that. um it it's just, this is another way that the game has kind of moved to benefit players who don't really play like Sandra. Totally. It's like, you can't kind of hang back and win anymore, which she understands, but you also need to be a little bit better at challenges and just physically and finding idols and doing things that she typically has not been the best at. Um, she did find an idol on heroes versus villains. I think that might be her only, her only idol find, but, and uh, what
0: a great find that was,
1: that was a good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just rewards a different kind of player now. And this is how, where like Edge of Extinction is sort of a dead end for Sandra in a way it's not for a player who, you know, is much more able to compete physically.
0: Totally. Totally.
1: Let's also talk about Parvity. Uh, Amelia, I wanted to ask you do you think that Parvity had any chance to make this vote go any differently?
0: I think, and, you know, they were kind of playing it up. On the episode, given the fact that you know Parvati is a very flirty player, she uses that to her advantage. You know, it's pretty much how she won her her season and how she got so far on uh, Heroes versus Villains. And it's it's a great strategy. She does it perfectly, and she. I feel like they at least they wanted us to believe that she really had a chance to sway Nick because he had this huge crush on her. And I don't know if that's just good editing or if he really, you know, thought about swaying over to her side because he he's clearly in love with her.
1: Yeah, I think that they've done a good job of showing kind of the evolution of Parvati's game, which, yes. you know, she's, she's married now. She's not going to be, uh, you know, flirting with guys the same way that she was, but she's still a very charming, likable person. And that goes a really long way on Survivor. It just wasn't enough in this episode, though, because she's playing with a bunch of guys who are really good. I mean, Nick might want to play with Parvati and love have loved watching Parvati in yeah. the past, but he knows the best move for him is to stick with his guys and not flip at that point.
0: Totally. And again, you know, like you said, we're seeing this kind of a new... Era of Survivor, and it, it, we're pushing out the old players, and it's just like I'm not ready to give them up.
1: I know, I know, it's so rough because I really I wanted parvati and Sandra to make the merch, and, which is where I feel the game like really begins. Totally, um, and it's just so tough to see them both go in the same episode. I mean, brutal,
0: just just heartbreaking. Yeah.
1: So let's kind of zoom out a little bit and talk about the game there is an audio clip i want to play and i want to talk about threats versus non-threats which has been a major theme on this season uh so let's play this clip of sandra at tribal council talking about who's a threat who's a non-threat and how they know who's what sandra you have 20 winners how can you not have 20 threats
0: I believe the ones that know their threats, like Boston Rob, Tyson, Parvati, myself, Kim, Jeremy, and Tony, you know these people are huge threats versus the ones that we feel are not a threat, like a Nick or a Michelle or a Denise, we all know it.
1: All right, so in this clip, she's kind of like, you know, you have Rob and Parvati and her, uh, Tony and um, Kim and they're the big threats. And, you know, oh, somebody like a Denise or a Michelle or an Adam, they're like not threats. And I kind of am not sure if I really buy this anymore because all of the threats are going home and all of the non-threats are the ones who are actually moving forward in the game.
0: Totally. It's, you know, it changes. This game, again, not to bring up the old school, new new school, but I feel like new school, they're just so fast and the game is so fast now that You could be a threat one day and a non-threat the next day. It's you just really have to keep on your toes because the gameplay is just—it's so fast that there isn't really a way to stay either a threat or a non-threat.
1: And there's a balance to strike too, right? Because if you're if you're such a non-threat, you become a goat, not the goat. You become a goat that just gets taken to <laughs> final tribal council Who's who yep. you know, won't get any votes. If you're too big of a threat, you obviously get targeted and you go home. And I think a lot of these new school players have shown that they're pretty good at kind of towing the line, finding the balance between playing the game, but not playing too hard and not just hanging back and not playing at all.
0: Yeah. It's, I, you really, I feel like you have to see all the seasons of Survivor to really, if you want to go on Survivor now, just to really understand how the game is played, how fast it's being played, and just all the different archetypes, you know, that are that come into play and have to play together.
1: Right. And I think, like, Rob probably played a little too hard. He needed to kind of, like, shift down in gear, maybe one, and maybe same with Sandra, too, as far as. How this move went, it's like just hang back, you know, you can play harder a little bit later in the game, um, right, so it's a tough one for her.
0: it really yeah, is and and go ahead, oh, and like you said with the 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 merge, I mean it it really the game shifts at the merge, and they just I feel like went a little too hard before the
1: merge. if I were playing Survivor, granted on, all winter seasons a little different. My <laughs> one of my strategies would be I'm probably going to try and hang back until the merge. And then if I've got a backstab and betray and do whatever, that's all happening at the merge and, and there on out.
0: Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to play it, honestly.
1: Um, let's talk about Wendell, because he was kind of a villain in this episode and this season hasn't had a villain. Survivor, I think I think the villains in Survivor are iconic and they're super important. Yes. And I'm really, really excited at the prospect of Wendell being the villain on this season. If that does happen, what do you think?
0: Yeah, you know what I—I I mean, this season has been awesome so far. I've really enjoyed it, but uh, I've also been watching Heroes versus Villains again because it is just—it is the best season. And I think
1: best season of Survivor, or best season of just television, maybe of
0: television. I'm not even yeah. joking of TV. It is the I bet money on the fact you cannot find a better season of television than Heroes versus Villains.
1: I've seen some people be like Winners of War, this is the best season ever and I'm like, man, Heroes versus Villains was <laughs> unbelievably good, like it's it's so good.
0: Like and I was telling you, I've literally seen it. I, I for, in the past month I've watched it like 5 times cuz it's that good and I just, you know what? Heroes versus Villains They had an iconic, all-time, crazy villain in Russell Hance, and they just haven't had that uh, yet, and maybe if Wendell wants to step up to the plate and be that, I'm I'm all in for it because I love to hate a villain.
1: And I definitely, like, I don't think that Wendell can ever be a (laughs) Russell-level villain, which is like, oh, no one can, but- Even in general, on that season, you know, the villains tribe, which I guess just all got voted out with Rob, Barbie, and Sandra all going home now on Winners in War. But yeah. th- that was a much more interesting tribe to me than the heroes. And I think it kind of... It solidifies my view that villains or even people who, you know, like Parvati and Sandra, they're not really villains, but they have a little bit of villainous streak in them. Uh, You know, devious players kind of are more important than heroic, noble, altruistic players. This is Survivor. You're going to backstab and betray people. So people who do that, they're way more interesting to me.
0: Agreed. 100%. And you can even look at it like at Disney characters. The most interesting characters are always the villains. The heroes, who are they? I don't even know.
1: Yeah, think about it. like even in uh uh like superhero movies. I mean, you yeah. know, people love Batman, but man, people love like the Joker, <laughs> you know, I mean so what's true. more interesting.
0: Like the villains.
1: <laughs> love a good villain. Um, let's also so what the hell is up with Michelle and Wendell's relationship, non relationship? It is so weird to me. Can you shed any light on this?
0: Honestly, yeah. I don't know. There is something that is not adding up when it comes to their backstory, because we were talking about it. um, They are so awkward uh, in their tribe together, but then they're really friendly on social media. And then you have Michelle being like, he really burnt me. And it's uh, we're not getting something. And I want to know.
1: Yeah. He, she makes it sound like it, it's so weird because it's like you look on Twitter and Instagram and they're just hanging out in each other's comments, joking around. They seem yes. like they're total friends. They're totally on good terms. So, you know, I don't want anybody to think, oh my God, you know, Wendell must have really done something awful. But then it's like every confessional, Michelle is like, you know, he broke my trust. He betrayed me in yeah. real life. And it's just like, what did he do? What happened here? Um, I don't know. I mean, it feels, it feels to me like it might be a a case of somebody who was more into a relationship and somebody else who thought it was much more casual or something, you know, Wendell's kind of like, Oh, well, Hey, we kicked it. That was really funny, but it's just, it's making for some really awkward moments that are actually really great television.
0: That's, that's true. They are giving us some great TV. That is true.
1: Um, because, you know, I just, I, like, Wendell is, I, I feel like so much more awkward in this, whereas Michelle is a little bit more cool about it, except for that when Wendell's not there, then she's like, God, that guy's such a fucking asshole. To the yeah. party. <laughs> and it's like, man, I, this is so bizarre. I've just never seen anything like this on Survivor. Same.
0: I know. I, I It just makes me want to dig into all the Reddit theories about what their relationship was, you know?
1: I know. And I don't really want to gossip about it too much, but it's coming up so much on the show that it's hard to not wonder about it. So, you know, I don't know. Um, Let's move through a a few things I want to talk about before we get to our next section. Um, I wanted to talk about Tony this episode because I love Tony, but it was not a great episode for him. He was Uh, a little bit paranoid.
0: He was so paranoid, but he is... He is iconic. He is so funny. He's so funny.
1: There's nobody... I I feel like no one has ever played like Tony. Like, you know, (laughs) one of the things we do on the show is we're like, oh, let's put people into, like, certain archetypes. But Tony is just a one-of-one. I've never seen anybody play so erratically and yet still (laughs) kind of see the whole board and strategically be, like, maybe a good player, maybe one of the best. It's so weird.
0: It's iconic. It's iconic. You know, he was... He had his little spy shack, which is just, it's so funny to me. Just everything he does is so funny. And just the way in which he goes about it, you know, he's peeking through the palm fronds. It's just everything they do to create this character. And obviously, you know, he is a character and it's mainly him and there doesn't need to be that much editing, but um, it's incredible and it's so entertaining.
1: And if you're Tony, you're just, you're going to have good Tony episodes and you're going to have bad Tony episodes. And this was a bad one. Everyone was like, where is he? He's disappeared. Sandra knew immediately. She was like, he's got a spy shack. Let's, let's not talk by the water. Well, let's go somewhere else. (laughs) Um, And like turns him into a player that probably others feel they can't really trust. And so I'm very nervous for him.
0: I know. I know I'm nervous too. And I'm also nervous from just, just from the way he's playing, but also from a, straight up viewer standpoint that the game is not gonna, it's gonna suffer without Tony, honestly, because he's hilarious that uh, ladder clip of him, his whole ladder thing, I've played that clip so many times, it's so funny
1: he and the shark thing too I mean, he's singing the baby shark song on the one episode, (laughs) it's like, oh my god, we gotta have this guy around, the thing with Tony is like, he can go on a deep run, but there will be a half dozen times where you're like yeah, he's definitely going home um, y- that's yeah. the only way he knows how to play. God bless him. Um, I also wanted to talk about Kim because I know noticed something very interesting in this episode, which is Kim has an idol. She knew that the votes were going on Denise from her alliance. So when Denise used her idol, I was surprised that Kim didn't respond by using the idol on herself too. So she must have been comfortable enough with Denise and Jeremy to know that if they were targeting someone else, it had to have been Tony or Sandra. It wasn't her. And I find that really interesting. And I wonder if there is a little bit more going on in that tribe with Kim's position in it than we've really been shown.
0: Yeah. You bring up a great point. That is definitely something we didn't see a bunch of, but it's it's there. And I don't know if maybe there's some kind of a new school thing going on or just I don't know it's it's very interesting because if I were her I would have been like yeah I'm playing it right now you know
1: They yeah they did they showed her to be the swing vote on the previous episode she was like oh I might be the swing vote but they didn't return to that on this episode she seemed like she was good with Tony and Sandra and if it had been me well I mean I guess maybe I'm a little bit of a paranoid person I feel like if one thing goes slightly sideways at tribal I would instantly use my idol I'd be using those things so much more than I would need to. I'd probably misuse them. Um, But she, it was a very impressive move for her to just stone cold sit there and not use it. I think no one's talking about.
0: Yeah, it was a bold move. Good. And and, like you said, it got overshadowed by uh, Denise's bold move. So
1: it's nice to see Kim who is so on the outs early in the season, kind of work her way back into the game.
0: Totally. Totally.
1: Um. One other thing that came up on this episode that was very interesting to me was fire tokens. They were bartered in both tribal councils, uh, became a big thing. And then we also had Tyson using his fire tokens to buy peanut butter, which is classic. And I guess let's do a little check in on fire tokens. Do we think they're good or bad for the games? The first season we've had them, Um, they're starting to get interesting.
0: Right, yeah, and that's you know when they were first introduced, I was like, okay, what are these? And the first few episodes, it was like, okay, clearly these people want them. I get it, and there were very funny memes on Reddit, whatnot. Um, and finally, I think they're really starting to come into play, and now it's exciting because it's like this, like you said, it's a whole new element to the game, and and people are really using them, which is great.
1: And I wasn't that into them when they were tied so heavily to the Edge of Extinction twist. But yeah. when it's, hey, you know, I'll vote differently if you give me X number of fire tokens, now that adds a layer of complexity to the game that I'm actually really interested in.
0: Totally, totally. And I just, I love that Tyson was like, you know what, I'm, I'm not gonna sit around and maybe buy an idol. I'm gonna use it for some goddamn peanut butter.
1: That was iconic, him being like, ah, these these fools don't understand the benefit <laughs> of peanut butter, but I'm not a fool. As he's sitting there in his underwear with a shell, scooping out <laughs> tablespoons of peanut butter. It was like, really, dude? You could have an advantage in a challenge.
0: Oh, that was so funny. He's, he's another great, hilarious player. And you know what? Yeah. Go scoop your little uh, shell with the peanut butter. Uh, why not?
1: Tyson's a very smart player. He's also very good in challenges. He's high up on my list of the players who could return from the edge of extinction. So if he thinks peanut butter will help him, I'm not going to question it, but man, (laughs) it was very funny.
0: It really was.
1: And, uh, also when we're talking about fire tokens, Michelle now has four of them. Parvati had four, but she used one on the idle nullifier that was, uh, useless for her. um, I wonder what happened to that Idle Nullifier. I'm assuming she took it with her to the edge of extinction. It would have been cool if she'd given it to Michelle, but they didn't show us that. So I'm assuming that didn't happen. But, anyways, the reason four fire tokens is important is that four fire tokens is what a player needs to buy an advantage in a challenge, Um, at least based on the menus that we saw at the beginning of the game.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it'll be interesting, I think, in the coming episodes to really. Like, we've just got the tip of the fire token iceberg, so to speak. And now I think people are really going to use them. And I'm excited to see what Michelle does with them because, and we were talking about this a little bit before, but, you know, she's on this new tribe with three guys who are uh, in an alliance. So, yeah, she doesn't have anywhere to go,
1: really. If that tribe before goes to tribal, Michelle basically has no way out, um, except for that maybe she could buy something with fire tokens. I don't know. Yeah. It's unclear, but having four of them does give her power in this game that we've really never seen before. So I'm kind of excited to see it. And she I'm also excited to see if the prices for stuff and the options of things that they can buy will change the merge. Because, you know, we've kind of seen where players are like, you know, we don't know what will happen with these tokens. So they don't seem to be too into the advantage menu. I think that there's something else that will be at play. I'm so excited. Let's move on to our next segment. This is the archetype breakdown. This is where we kind of talk about a strategic way for players to make it through the game, a kind of lane that they can take up as they try and win the game. So this week, I want to spotlight what I'm going to call the front stabber. Um, This is a person who kind of is playing a very cutthroat game. Maybe they bounce from alliance to alliance, but it's defined by betraying your allies. And it comes from this, Clip of Wendell at Tribal Council where he says that this is how he wants to play. So let's just roll that clip right now. I think this is the season of pre existing friendships and relationships where people are like very cutthroat in the game and then outside of the game you shake hands and it's cool. With me, I came into this game trying to compartmentalize things. Look, I'm going to do whatever it takes in this game to win $2 million. I'll stab everyone in the back, I'll stab them in the front. So you can hear Wendell say it there. Now as he also specifies in that tribal, he has not actually started playing that way yet. He really hasn't betrayed anybody yet. But this idea that, you know, you can go around and make the big moves of betrayal, but somehow not become a target or get the bitter jury or whatever, that's a very like modern idea. And I don't know if it'll work. I I hope Wendell tries it out, but, you know, it's it's interesting.
0: Yeah, why not? I mean, as someone who wants a villain right now, do it. Wendell, god damn it, I want it. Um, I will say this if I were ever on Survivor, I don't think I could do this. It's just too risky. I'm sorry, it's too risky.
1: So I think if there is somebody who stabbed anyone else in the front this episode, it's clearly Denise, though <laughs> it's Sandra, who she'd really only worked with, not at all. You know, this is their first tribal council together, the two of them. I don't think that I could do, yeah, I don't know if I could stab a like longtime, longtime ally. In the back, I feel like I'm a little more loyal than that. Um, but if Wendell does it, he'll be the villain, as we're saying. And I don't know. I don't know if it'll work for him. It's a very risky strategy.
0: It really is. And I guess we did. I mean, obviously, Denise and Sandra don't know each other, but there was a great nugget from Sandra when she was like, You seem like a really nice person.
1: Yeah, I know. And that was so, you know, Denise called it out immediately, but that was so Sandra being like, look, you're going home. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Sandra can sometimes play a little bit like kind of the mob boss style of playing where she'll just be like kind of dictating, sort of holding court like she was this episode. Um, And that would have worked for this episode. She just had to make the big move.
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's sad.
1: Anyways, if you're going to be a front stabber, I really think the only person this has ever worked for is Tony and (laughs) Kagayan, who used to just at least as far as winners of the game. It may have worked for other people to get very far in the game, but uh, you can't just tell people, you know, oh, I swear on Tony would swear on like his family and stuff. It was like crazy. He was just lying to everybody and then he would turn around and betray them. Um, It was an unbelievable game.
0: Yeah, I mean that is such a risky, bold move, but I respect it. It's crazy, and uh, I, I, I wouldn't do it. Uh, but I mean, you got you know, there's a million dollars on the line. There's now two million dollars on the line. You got to throw anything at the wall and see what sticks.
1: Right, and I think that we'll see a lot more like not just blindsides, but true betrayals once we hit the merge and people start really ramping up their game.
0: That is so true. And, uh, you know, the fact that a lot of these people know each other is really great too. And so the betrayals are only going to get better and I cannot wait.
1: Yep. And as they say, like, you know, it'll be a cutthroat game Even despite the existing relationships, because I'm sure that there's been some pre-gaming on this season where people have come in and known who they want to work with. But as you get further and further into it, I think that those lines become a lot blurrier and ultimately will get completely redrawn. Totally. All right. So that is our front stabber. Let's talk superlatives. I think we still have a lot left to talk in this episode, so um, we can hit on a number of different things here. But we always start with our best move. So Amelia, who do you think had the best move?
0: I mean, you know, we, you gotta say Denise.
1: You gotta say Denise. All right. Okay. So it's obviously Denise. Um, let's do runners up for best move. Who do you think other than Denise, which we've talked about kind of showed you something this episode that was impressive.
0: Right. I would say, you know, Nick, just staying with his threesome alliance with Wendell and Yule and not being swayed by the flirt that is Poverty, And, you know, maybe it was editing like we talked about or... Uh, but I do think he, he was maybe considering it. He really has a huge crush on her. So honestly, that was good for him for sticking true to his uh, threesome alliance.
1: I think if he had flipped, he would have ran immediately into a dead end because obviously he would have made <laughs> an enemy out of Yule. Uh, assuming Wendell would go home in in Nick's flip. And he would have proven himself untrustworthy to all of his former tribesmates and stuff. And for what, Parvati and Michelle? I mean, it's not like Parvati has a ton of allies left in this game. And I don't think that they are in a powerful position where he should latch onto them and see where he goes. Sticking with Wendell and Yule, that was the right move for him.
0: Totally. Um, I also think Tyson pretending to pee when he found the little uh, reward That was really smart.
1: He's quick on his feet, man. (laughs) Um, That was smart. Yeah. Uh, I will say one player I want to highlight is Michelle, who I think when she understood, you know, Parvati's going home. Let me see if I can work this to my advantage somewhere. That shows that she's grown as a player from her season. She can be pretty strategic. She can kind of think a couple of moves ahead and try to work with people even when she's on the outs.
0: Yeah, you know, I was pretty unfamiliar with her until this season, but I really like her. Uh she seems like a smart person like you said. I really liked the alliance she had with Parvati even though it was very short-lived. Um and I'm I'm really excited to see where she goes from here.
1: She she's been kind of a a controversial winner because she was sort of the big social player on her season. Everyone really liked her, but she kind of hung back and it was on her season. Aubrey was this big strategic player who was often playing, um, from a position of weakness, which is always a lot more interesting to play as. And so when Michelle won, you know, it was kind of like, Oh, well, she was well-liked, but maybe Aubrey played the better game. But I think what we're seeing this season is Michelle can play a hell of a game herself.
0: Totally. Totally. And I respect it and I I'm rooting for her, honestly.
1: I'm rooting for her, too. I'm a big Michelle fan. That hasn't always been, uh, like, so uh, mainstream and Survivor kind of <laughs> fandom. A lot of people have been very mixed on Michelle, but I've always defended her. Um, let's talk. Let's flip gears. Let's talk worst moves. I think, similarly, we have to agree. Sandra made the worst move in this episode, tragically.
0: Ugh, it, it killed me. It kills me to say that, because she is my queen. Um, But, yeah, that was, that was dumb.
1: There was no reason, I just don't know what she was trying to gain by building a relationship with Denise. I mean, maybe you get something there, but it feels like that was a time to play it safer, hold on to your idol, you know, keep the numbers. She could have really gone to the merge or gone far in the game and instead,
0: out. It was so risky. And my good friend, Alex Sink, shout out to you, Alex. He was talking about how Sandra was saying that she was fire token hungry and This I guess he recently watched uh, um, her season of Pearl Islands, which (laughs) I have to. But uh, Burton and Johnny Fairplay called Sandra money hungry, and so I I feel like whether it was deliberate or not, um, that was kind of a callback. You know, she she got a little too greedy for the fire tokens, which is just really upsetting.
1: And this vote out doesn't happen without the fire tokens as a Ugh. bartering tool. So it's kind of one of those ways, you know, as we were talking about earlier, where fire tokens can change the game in a way that produces really iconic, interesting moments. Totally. Even uh, in, if in this moment it had to be one of our favorites going home. Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's do runner up for worst move. Amelia, what do you got?
0: You know, I think I'm going to have to go with Wendell. With him saying the whole stabbing in the front, stabbing in the back, all stabbing all sides, I just... You would think that those words will eventually come back to haunt him.
1: It seemed really questionable to me, too. I feel like I would if I were a tribal council, I'd give a lot of bland answers. I'd be like the NBA player, the NFL player, just being like, (laughs) well, you know, I listen to the coach. I just play hard. I'm just my mind's just on the next game. Um, obviously as a reality television show, I think the producers are like, you got to give us a little more than that, but Wendell gave up a lot. I mean, just saying, you know, I'll backstab anybody. It's like, man, are are you trying to paint yourself as untrustworthy? I just didn't quite understand that from his perspective.
0: Yeah. It made no sense to me at all. And I agree with you. I too, if I were going into tribal council, I would be like, let me give you the easiest answers I can and not give anything away just bland as fuck answers because i i'm too scared to say anything else
1: my uh, my runner up for worst move is going to be tony in this episode he tony. him disappearing for, I don't know how long he was gone for an hour, maybe more. I don't know. It seemed like a while. Yeah. Uh, the day before a tribal is super suspicious. He's done a spy shack on both of his previous seasons. This is the third three for three for spy shacks or spy bunkers or whatever. And it's like, everybody knows if Tony disappears where he is, you kind of can't, you can only play that trick so many times before <laughs> it's like, dude, come on. And he just paints himself as untrustworthy. I really didn't like it. Bad episode for Tony.
0: I know. I know. I was like, what are you doing? Hilarious, incredible, iconic. I will save so many screenshots, but just <laughs> what were you thinking?
1: The first time he did it on Han, it was like, this is genius. Why has no one ever (laughs) thought that I should be trying a lot harder to eavesdrop on people? That's the best way to get information. But now it's like you have to evolve your game. He had done such a good job through the first few episodes of settling down, playing it cool. And now it's like he's getting into wild Tony er territory (laughs) again. And I don't think that'll work on winners at war. I think his game will really be determined on if he can settle himself down and take his game into a a different direction than he has before.
0: Totally. And I think, you know, that's just, again, how fast this game is being played now. You really have to switch up the way you play the game, but not too much. And it's just, it's wild.
1: Um. All right. Let's do our final superlatives. These are our frontrunners to win. Obviously, it's still pretty early. Even if we're going into final twelve, we know that there are people who will re-enter the game. We're not even at the merge yet. But Amelia, who has shown you something this episode that you think is in a really good position going forward?
0: You know, I am pretty new to Sophie, but the way in which she played in the challenge, and I, I love the challenges. I don't know why. I just think they're fun. It's like a sporting event. It's fun to cheer people on. There's a lot of adrenaline. Um, I know you're not the biggest fan of the challenges.
1: I kind of, that's where I sort of pull up my phone a little bit. Grant, uh, this was a good one with Wendell being like, watch this Jeff as he immediately <laughs> <laughs> he fell on the ball. I was like, oh man, come on, man. And uh, Sophie was great in this challenge.
0: She was so good. And you know, she is strategic, as we saw earlier Um, when she had the whole, like, you don't give it to the devil. You don't make deals with the devil. But now we're seeing her in this challenge, and she's a threat in challenges. And I didn't know that. And I think that's great. And I that definitely shot her up in my rankings.
1: Yeah, I uh, I think that strategically, she's a very, very good player. Clearly, very smart. Um, But they've also shown her building relationships. You know, she has one with Kim. She has one with Sarah. They showed Ben saying that he's growing closer with uh, her and Sarah, but, you know, her. And I think that that is so important in this game. Oh, she also has one with Yule, too. Uh, So very importantly, she's well-connected.
0: Yeah, and I think also another front runner I have is Yule, just because you know I I have to hold on to my um, old school Survivor players. He's also just a smart guy. He's playing for um, ALS uh, research, um, as we all saw on the previous episode. Jonathan Penner and his wife, so sad, but I think you know that kind of helps. In the end, you know, when you're standing in front of a jury and you're like, well, I'm not going to take the money. I'm going to donate it like that's that would sway me.
1: He's got a great story um, and he has obviously he is one of the better strategic players. And I was actually surprised that we got so little of him this episode. You know, he didn't have a confessional, even though his tribe went to tribal. um, But I do think he's well positioned going into the merge, too. Totally. Totally. Um all right I will do my front runner to win which is I I guess not the front runner but somebody who definitely shot my rankings this week is Denise because she is somebody I'm a little bit less familiar with um and hadn't really thought about much because she had been so under the radar but with that move she really showed that she understands how to play the modern game of Survivor, understands when to take her shots. She's going to have a great resume going forward. I do think that she's well-positioned with somebody like Jeremy. Um, we know that she can work with Adam a little bit. I think that she might be able to work with Ben a little bit. So there's a lot of connections there for her. Now, she did burn uh, you know, her immunity idol. The sh- Burning Sanders' idol doesn't really matter because that one was going to expire anyways. And she did raise her threat level. But overall, good episode for Denise.
0: Great episode for Denise. You know, as much as it pained me and killed me to have her, you know, use Sandra's idol against Sandra, I I mean, I think we have no choice but to stand because that was an incredible move. That was iconic.
1: Iconic, yes. We truly have no choice but to stand. <laughs> um. All right. I think that that will do it for us today. Amelia, thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thank you so much. This has been great. I love talking Survivor with you. Uh. great episode.
1: Thank you for listening to The Pod Has Spoken. I'm Riley McTee. That's Amelia Wedemeyer. Isaac Lee is our producer. I'll be back here on the Ringer Dish feed next Thursday. See you then.